The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It is the mailbag edition of our show. We do it every Monday. Uh, We've got a lot of great questions. We got some five-star reviews. We got some from the Gmail. We got some from Twitter. We got all kinds of questions to answer today. Uh, If I sound a little off today, if it sounds a little echoey, that's my fault. I apologize. Uh, Craig is going to try to do some wonders here. Uh, So if you don't, that's great. That just means the Renaissance man himself has done some phenomenal things to my audio. Uh, but and, and he'll get introduced in a second. But first, here to help me answer these questions, uh, my dear Bal, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. It is Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm a little disappointed that you didn't tell the people why you might sound a little weird. And that's because Hollywood Swanson, the star, demanded a new locker room. He demanded a new trailer. <laughs> so they had to wheel up a new one. And he just hasn't got it quite decorated to his liking yet. His interior design lady hasn't rolled by. They haven't fixed it up. So he just, you know, give him a day or two. He might be back to normal later this week. But right now, his new trailer is still being set up. So you're just going to have to deal with it. But besides that, I I don't have any bits for us this week. I'm just going to get straight to the point. This is just pure information. No bits on this podcast. Just raw. Everything is ready to go. Craig, how are you doing? I'm just doing really well. You did forget one thing that... This is a double wide, his trailer. I think he was expecting a single (laughs) wide, and that's why it's a little bit more echoey. We'll get into it. You know, hopefully we can clean it up a little bit. But, you know, listen, when you're big time, like one Ken Swanson, you just, (laughs) you demand excellence. So, guys, if you don't hear from me after this week, you know what happened. Oh, Lord. Okay, so if you've ever been on a Zoom chat with us, you've seen my brown beige walls in our basement they're disgusting and so you know we decided to paint the walls paint the floors a little bit kind of redo the room the 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 podcasting area but it's empty right now it's me and a table and a chair and a computer and so it's very empty right now normally there's a lot more stuff in here the stuff's gonna be back i'm hoping soon but that's why if it sounds echoey i apologize okay let's get into these questions we got a lot of great questions and we'll start with the five-star reviews uh, T. Willis has some jokes. Um, the question is for Kent. If the Chiefs move on from Chris Jones, do you expect the Chiefs to sign a guy like Joey Ivy to fill void of his true pass rushing DT? Uh, he says find him on Twitter at T. Willis. It's, it's T. Willis with three S's. Uh, well done. I think he just wanted me to talk about Joey Ivy's pass rush. Well, there you have it. 
Uh, Swanson's Buffon asks, uh, talk me through the dominoes that would have to fall for Jadavian Clowney to be a starting defensive end for the Kansas City Chiefs in 2020, Maddie, The big thing right now is the Chiefs would just have to clear a pretty major chunk of cap space right now. I don't think Jadavian Clowney is looking to sign a one-year below-market-value deal. If he's going to sign below-market-value, it's going to be it's simply not going to happen. Like He's trying to get as much money as he can. He might sign a short-term deal, but it's still going to be what he thinks is worthwhile. If you get him long-term, I don't think you're going to sneak him in for super cheap. So the Chiefs, the way it is, is if they didn't restructure LDT, if they didn't rework Sammy Watkins' contract, you'd look at maybe moving on from one of those guys to afford Jadavion Clowney. At this point, there's either going to have to be a surprise cut of someone we don't see coming, or somehow the Chiefs would have to trade Chris Jones, which seems incredibly unlikely at this point in time. So like, there's a lot of dominoes that would have to fall for Jadavion Clowney to end up as a starting defensive end for the 2020 Chiefs. But the longer he stays on the market the beggar chance there is. Maybe if his market's as bad as it's looking like it might be right now, if he lasts long enough into the offseason, maybe the Chiefs can make a little bit of cap space. Maybe they can move some money around. Maybe they can cut some guys that aren't as important and make him work for a year before he tries to sign a big deal next year again for like the third year in a row, which has not worked out for him. All right. Cheesy Chief asks... While this podcast is a great companion for driving and walking the dog, I find it to be an essential distraction while I do things like clean my house and mow the dog. Thank you so much. Um, so here's this question. If we see the NFL season start without fans packing stadiums, do you think the Chiefs will wait to raise the Super Bowl championship banner until it can be shared with the fans? How would you handle this? I mean, it's a great question. And no, I'm not lying when I say this. I think about this a lot. I'm very curious to see how they navigate this situation. Um, I think whenever fans are back in the stadium for the first time at home, there's going to be some kind of celebration. And yeah, they might wait. They might wait to raise the banner. I could see them waiting to raise the banner, and maybe they just kind of do some things to celebrate the Super Bowl champion championship. You know, on that day, you know, maybe they do like a a ring release or something. Everybody gets to see the ring or something. What the ring's going to look like or something to that effect, and then they wait to hang the banner. Um, there's not an easy answer. This is an unprecedented situation for them, and I don't envy them having to navigate it. What I do envy, and what 31 other teams envy, is them having to deal with this situation of figuring out when to raise the Super Bowl banner. I mean, come on. Like, that is it's a rough life out here in Kansas City. I don't care how it goes down, but um, I'm going to be happy. I will continue to bang this drum, though. Shift to Rose Bowl right. First play, something in that series. It doesn't have to be the Damien play. Something in shift to Rose Bowl right to start the season off. Andy, come on, buddy. Jay the Fan One asks, uh, really or says, really appreciative of the work you guys put in day after day. Uh, I hope Andy Reid coaches forever. But if he did retire in the next five years, do you think his replacement is already somewhere in the building? And also, he asks, do Craig or Matt ever channel the spirit of Kent's hair? And if so, when? Okay, first of all, <laughs> Uh, Mike Kafka is your future head coach. I, I fully, truly Ooh. believe that to be true. I think that the Chiefs are going to want to stick with an offensive mind. I think Eric Bieniemy will be gone by the time that Andy Reid decides to retire. So from that regard, I think Kafka makes a lot of sense. He's got the working relationship with Patrick Mahomes. You obviously want to keep the franchise as happy as possible. So Kafka just makes a ton of sense from that regard. And the second part of this, listen, when we first absorbed Kent's hair, like when we first got to see it in video calls, I think both 
Matt and I tried to emulate it as best to our ability. You know, we really tried to roll in and embrace the true hairness of Kent Swanson. And I'm telling you right here and now, it's impossible. You cannot do it. <laughs> you can't channel the spirit of his hair. We've tried. It's a never-ending goal that will be just completely unattainable. So, I mean, I just think that there's no real way. There's nothing in my life that I can do as well as Kent <laughs> can grow his hair. So, yeah, I, I just don't think that there's a- anything out there that we can really channel to uh, channel the spirit of Kent's hair. I mean, I even stole a lock of it the first time we went to Mobile together, and it didn't help me at all. Like, I tried to make it work. One? It just didn't work. Guys, my, my hair, I needed a haircut before COVID happened. It is rough. Glorious. Right now. I know. Just, it's I'm fine. I'm just going to tell you right now. It's a mess. Um, AP nerd squad at gmail.com questions now. And if you, if you, you know, don't have Twitter, if you know, you don't leave a five star review, you should still leave a five star review, subscribe to the channel too. Cause we got tons of shows coming every single week now because the AP editor shows going now, you know, you get from the podium too. Um, but we also have AP nerd squad at gmail.com and uh, Brian a in Northeast Iowa asks, Hey guys, love your work and your insight on the pod and the draft guide is killer. Thank you so much. Uh, with Willie Gay, I know he could fill an immediate need at linebacker, but do you think in 2021 he might fit as the green dot linebacker for the Chiefs? Ooh, maybe he would be the escape hatch or the escape hitch from Hitchens. (laughs) (laughs) His size size and profile seems like he could be that guy on every down for this defense in this division. I think that Willie Gay has a long way to come from a processing standpoint to be trusted to be the mic. We know that Anthony Hitchens maybe doesn't, you know, after the snap, do a ton to really help the Chiefs defense. We've talked about it at length, but what he does pre-snap justifies his spot on the field for Steve Spagnuolo. Anthony Hitchens is a very smart player, organizes the fronts, gets everybody on the same page. Willie Gay did not do that at Mississippi State. Um, he did not have a particularly quick processing, you know, while he was doing stuff, he picked up on some stuff fairly quickly, but the, you know, offenses were able to kind of put him in the blender a little bit, just with some motions and some misdirections and things like that. So from that regard, he's got a long way that he needs to go before he can really truly become the mic. I would just count on him to be the will for the time being, and then hope that he progresses enough to where you can play him as the mic. But, you know, in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme, you're still going to get probably 60 to 70% of the snaps as a will linebacker. That's fantastic. That's that's wonderful for a second-round pick. All right. Uh, Jake asks, uh, with Clyde Edwards-Alaire's versatility, does he have more receiving yards or rushing yards in his rookie year? And with that in mind, how do defensive coordinators cope with him? P.S. Are we still throwing shade at Lee Summit native Drew Locke? Yes, we are still throwing shade at Lee Summit native Drew Locke. I'm sorry, Jake. I'm going to continue to do that. Um, Clyde Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to have more rushing yards. He's going to get a lot more opportunities, but he's going to be a ridiculous asset in the passing game, an extremely valuable asset in the passing game. Do not sleep on that. Um, I I think he's just got immense versatility, and I've kind of already started doing some work. Um on on Clyde Edwards Alaire um, on his route tree and I'm going to be writing a big article on that I'm going to be writing an article kind of looking at 
you know, how he was used at LSU from a, from a pass catching perspective and really what the Chiefs running backs did last year um, and, and what kind of what, what they were asked and, and what can be kind of gleaned from, you know, what what Clyde Edwards Hilaire did in the past and what kind of things can be included. I think he's going to be a valuable asset. I think he's really going to do a lot of different things. I watched a game last night, guys, and um, he was the point man in the bunch in a bunch he was just like they were just they were moving him all over the place. Uh, it was it was crazy. Empty uh, is gonna be I fun. Think, you know, Empty is gonna yeah, be very I mean, fun. It, yeah, and it, the problem for defensive coordinators is because he can do all that stuff, um, he's more difficult to account for. I mean, and you don't know, you don't know what they're running. There's no predictability because literally Clyde Edwards-Alar can do anything under the sun that they could ask. Uh, Maddie, I've got another, uh, I've got another Gmail question. This is from Andy in, from Pennsylvania, which rookie from last year makes the most improvement slash impact in year two. Ooh, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I still want to say Juan Thornhill and it's hard because I think he was playing at such a high level already. So like the improvement might not be as visible as it's going to be with some other guys. But from where I'm sitting, I think Juan Thornhill really started to come on in the later half, the latter half of the year. Like he really started to turn on down the stretch. Then he got injured. I think if he returns to that same level that you saw from week, you know, 12 on, if he returns to that level next year, maintains it through a full 16 games plus the playoffs, like that's already a big improvement, just being consistent. And I think there's a chance he gets to make more plays. I think you saw Steve Spagnuolo start letting him move around a little bit more. You started seeing Thornhill get a place of man coverage. Thornhill was flying up, playing some robber and underneath zones, and it wasn't just Tyron Matthew. And I think that's a great way to use Thornhill, who has incredible instincts. So like I said, he is already really good last year, but I think there's a chance where he makes a big step this year. I don't have a ton of hope for any other guys to make massive improvements this year just because of usage and where they're going to be. We'll see. Hopefully someone jumps out and surprises me. I think Rashad Fenton is going to have a chance to, but I think Thornhill's the big easy one just because they brought back so many starters. You know he's going to get his snaps. Yeah, and there's just there's a lot of guys in the way in McCole Hardman's breakout, and we talked a little bit about that. So, I mean, that's a tough situation for him. Uh, okay, let's jump to the Twitter questions now. AC Rocker asks a fantastic question. This is probably, I mean, this is, this is, this might be the best of May, <laughs> which is worse. Costing your team a trip to the Super Bowl by jumping off sides, playing that team the next year in the Super Bowl, only to lose and have the winning team dunk on you in their parade speeches, or giving up a 24 nothing lead to a team in the playoffs to get knocked out and have to start your next season in their stadium while they receive their Super Bowl rings they were able to get by beating you. So the having the banner thrown in your face as a losing team the following next year, that happens a lot. Like That's pretty common, I feel like, for a quality team to get a rematch with the Super Bowl champions and then have to go right back there to start the year. Like I feel like that happens a ton. The 24-0 part is not fun, but nothing compares to what's going on with D Ford here. Like, I understand that D Ford very possibly no, he did. He 100% cost the Chiefs from winning back-to-back Super Bowls, <laughs> but they wouldn't have been there without him. He's caught a lot more heat than I ever thought he would from Chiefs coaches 
in Chiefs players, like including guys that weren't even here last year and then guys that were like something about D Ford must have really rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way because they just go in on him any chance they get for a guy who seemingly wasn't a bad teammate. He just made a mistake in the most pivotal part of the season and they just seem really hung up on us. That's got to be that's going to be pretty rough for D Ford there. Listen. If, if Frank Clark is going to go out of his way and Travis Kelsey going to go out of his way to call you out in both before and after the Super Bowl, like, that has to suck. Like, listen, being a Bill O'Brien probably sucks a lot. But, being, you know, being called out, having Travis Kelsey and Frank Clark, two very vocal members of the NFL Super Bowl winning team, repeatedly call you out by name that's that's rough that's gotta really really suck so yeah i'm, I'm going with d4 i want to cut one. you off here actually real quick because i want to alter this question for kent i want to add to the second scenario would it suck more being the quarterback of a team up 24 nothing in the playoffs only to have bill o'brien be your coach choke it away and then in the offseason <laughs> trades your best player for a running back while you're working out and you think you're getting you think you're getting punked at the gym only to realize that Bill O'Brien is still not only your head coach but your GM. <laughs> yeah, if it's like comparing D Ford versus Deshaun. Poor Deshaun. Like it's not even like so like D Ford, like he at least got to the game. Deshaun has no hope because of everything that's around him. Like that poor guy. It's just they just paid Laramie Tunsil like four million dollars of it more than any tackle in the history of the National Football League. And like he's good, but like he's not the number one tackle in football. He shouldn't be the highest paid. Like Bill O'Brien doesn't know what he's doing. And I don't don't get me started on Bill O'Brien again. Like we don't need that. We we can save that for later in the season. I think we dumped on him yesterday last week. Listen, it will like, never get old dunking on <laughs> Bill O'Brien. But if you're Deshaun Watson last year, was probably your best chance in Houston. Think about it that oh, way. No. It might be. That's depressing. That's really depressing because it ain't this year. It, and Patrick Mahomes got, is going to be around for a long time. You you had a 24-point lead. Ugh, that's, that can't sit right. They got 51-7 to end their season. Ugh. And Deshaun Watson and is under Bill O'Brien's control for at least what two more years if they use both, if they use the option and well, the tag. The funny thing is, like they're gonna, like they're probably gonna pay him a lot of money. Like they'll probably agree to a, they'll come to an agreement with. Does him. he take it? He's gonna make a lot of money to be there for the next five, six years, probably. Would you take? Is he gonna take that deal? Is he gonna stick in Houston? Yes. Okay. Fair. I still think he'll stick in Houston. I think I think he will. I I just that would be that'd be pretty unprecedented, right? Like, is that has that ever happened with a quarterback? Well, to I don't Eli, know. You're, Eli, you're Eli, you're Eli Manning yourself after your rookie deal. Well, you know, when Eric Bieniemy takes over the Texans next year after Bill O'Brien is a good ousted, then he'll probably stick around. And Russell 2018 asks, why is Anthony Sherman on this roster even when they don't use him in fourth and short situations? Well, funny you use the word short because the list of people that have this power is very short. And you might be asking, how <laughs> short? Well, it's as short as Dave Tobe short shorts, and there is your reason why he's still on the roster. 
Oh, man. Uh, Burt Wilkinson, if fanless stadiums decrease revenue and therefore 2021 salary cap, will the Chiefs still be able to sign Patrick Mahomes? If so, would they have to let go of any players to fit under the cap? Uh, yeah, there's nothing. Nothing will change the fact that they're going to sign Patrick Mahomes. Honestly, like the salary cap could decrease by 20 million, 40 million. They're still going to figure it out and they're still going to pay him all the money in the world. And they'll, then they'll just figure everything out. Yeah, it, it would suck because they might have to lose a couple players here or there. They might have to cut Eric Fisher. You know, they won't be able to re-sign Chris Jones, whatever. Um, but guess what? Everybody else in the National Football League has to play by those rules too. And Patrick Mahomes, whether he's making 40, 60, whatever he's making, he's still in a market inefficiency. And he is still the best player in the world. And all these teams that went out and spent a lot of money this year would be really hamstrung if the salary cap started decreasing. That could be fascinating. And the Chiefs didn't spend any money. It's a good year to not have spent a lot of money. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, Kyle K asks, the AP Lab has been asked to replace the three biggest players on the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyron Matthew. Who would assume each role, Maddie? Yeah, Matt Moore's playing quarterback. Dan Swartz is playing safety because it's certainly not any of us. Um, I mean, I think this question set up pretty well. Kent obviously played quarterback, so you know we're going to put him into Tyron Matthews' role. I think that Craig has the height to see over the offensive line, but he could be a killer red zone target, and I don't know if his knees could take any hits that Mahomes were taking, so we're going to have to put him in Travis Kelsey's role, which leaves me, I guess, being the heir apparent to Pat Mahomes and, like, well, my throwing ability outside of like seven yards isn't that great. You know, I, I could scramble a little bit. I could I could run some of those counter options. My pitch may not be accurate, but I, I could probably, you know, lose only a yard or two when I get scared of somebody trying to come tackle me and I fall down. I like that I got put at tight end after because I my knees are too bad to play quarterback, so <laughs> now I got to run more. And this take was, more this was relatively obvious. Like the quarterback's quarterback, the defensive guy's defense, and I take the leftover position, but that wasn't fun, so I had to you know well, spin it another direction. <laughs> See, I would have I would have put I would have put Craig at tight end too. <laughs> That's the funny part, like. I would have put it. You don't want to like, see me this, run. This man, you don't want to see me this run. Man, uh, Craig, I want to with all my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely do. Okay. Uh, we are going to take a break and we will be back right after this. All right, we're continuing our questions. We got plenty more from Twitter to answer. Chief Lutz 11 asks, does Lavert Hill have a shot to make this roster? He made some big plays last year at Michigan. Yeah, he absolutely does. Uh, Spagnolo used that kind of slot safety-ish role a lot last year, and it wasn't just Honey Badger. It was Kendall Fuller. We got to see maybe a little bit of Rashad Fitton in that role as well. I think that Lavert Hill could profile a little bit as a safety. He doesn't have the range. He his man coverage skill is pretty good. He just doesn't have a whole ton of athleticism, but he is whip smart. So from that regard, I think that they could position Lavert Hill as a replacement safety. They need guys. Jordan Lucas is gone. Kendall Fuller is gone. So these two guys 
don't have immediate replacements on the roster as it stands right now. So I think one of these DBs is going to maybe get a shot to win that kind of backup safety role. And why not a guy like Levert Hill, who does have that intelligence, maybe doesn't have the same measurables as some of these other guys to play cornerback? Like Craig said, the Chiefs kind of lost two guys that were defensive backs that showed some man coverage ability, but also played a little bit of safety with Lucas and Fuller. Levert Hill fits that mold. I don't think he's going to play cornerback in the NFL. I don't even think he's able to play like a full-time slot corner in the NFL. I just think he does not have the athleticism to stick with some deep speed or good size. But you put him at safety and kind of have him play as a second slot defender or safety playing some zones, deep, shallow, whatever you want. He's smart enough to figure it out. He's a willing tackler. Like I like him in that role. I think someone has to fill the Jordan Lucas and Kendall Fuller roles. And I... I have seen nothing from Armani Watts to think it's him. Like, not only do I think he's really bad in like man to man coverage, like as a cornerback, so to speak, I haven't seen anything from him really as a safety to say he gets those spots. So it's after Dan Sorensen, there's a, just a giant hole to me. And then you add in the fact that they do need somebody else to play in the slot across from Tyron Matthew from time to time. There's, an, there's a chance for Levert Hill to show that he belongs. Just a shortened offseason is going to make it really hard for an undrafted free agent to show up, especially one that's going to win based on his mental reps, his ability to understand the game. So he's going to have a hard time picking it up and proving he belongs right now. I think the good for, thing for him, though, is that his mental ability is is strong. I do think he is a very smart football player. Anytime I watch him, I feel the same. I feel that way. So... um that's a good thing for him. I I don't know if we said it on the pod or if we were just hanging out, but like I don't understand. Like Armani Watts kind of just has a job by default right now, if you ask me. And if one of these young guys takes away one of these opportunities from him, I'm not going to be surprised in the slightest. I just like there's just not a ton of competition for him right now, but I don't see any legit reason why they should continue to take a look at him. This is year three. It's about to be year three for him. Uh, I'd take a look at some of these other undrafted free agent types uh, and see what they're up to. Graner Taver, Graver Tanner asks, for all the hype I've seen on this UDFA class, which guys have a realistic chance of making the roster? Um, we've talked a little bit about this on the AP draft show, so if you want to go back and listen to some of those, but also this is just a shameless plug. The lottery ticket series is starting, so we're going to be talking about a lot of these guys uh, I'll give you one. I'm starting with Daryl Williams, uh, the interior offensive lineman out of Mississippi State. Uh, Lavert Hill's definitely on that list as well. And there's plenty of other guys that we're going to be covering here over the next couple months, um, kind of just profiling all these guys. Um, but keep an eye on Daryl Williams. I think he's one that's probably at the top of the list, and you'll see my article on him sometime next week. Tony 44 asks, if the rumors about Cesar Ruiz are true, how would you draft? Uh, how would your draft grades change if the Chiefs selected Ruiz instead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire at 32? Also, in this scenario, would the Chiefs still have drafted Lucas Niang in the third round? If you didn't hear the rumors, by the way, before Maddie gets in here, um, there was rumors that the Chiefs were going to take Cesar Ruiz at 32, uh, and I think the Saints ultimately took him a little bit earlier. So that's really the gist of the rumor. Maddie. Yeah, I think the Chiefs were definitely in on Cesar Ruiz. Brett Veach pretty much told you the night after they took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Hilaire, excuse me, I'm going to keep doing that and I'll keep trying to correct myself. But after they took him, the run... It's McColl all over again. Yeah, okay. So... (laughs) 
the Brett Veach kind of told you after that first round that they were looking at players that started and this tier that started coming off the board right at the pick that Cesar Ruiz went off the board. It only made sense that he was a guy that would be on their radar. Then Brett Veach told you, and now it's been all but confirmed that people think they were going to take Cesar Ruiz. I don't think it changes my draft grade because I was fully accepting and knew that a running back was going to come. Like I could just tell that a running back made a ton of sense. I thought it was going to happen. So I had already prepared myself before making a quote unquote draft grade. So I don't think it changes. I think I like Cesar Ruiz a little bit more than I like Clyde Edwards Hilaire as I go about grading them. But both are about the same level of a player to me. They're both very good. I don't think anything changes. And I hope they would still take Lucas Nyang because he's going to be a tackle, I hope. And you can have a tackle and a center in the same draft. Set your quarterback up, your MVP up for long-term success by keeping his knees and angles healthy. Yeah, I I would actually make it a higher grade. I, I feel like I would make it a higher grade. And I don't think that it's because I think lesser of Clyde Edwards-Elair. I think I've got them pretty much six of one half dozen of the other in this offense. I liked Ruiz as a prospect better, but here's the difference. I'm not paying Clyde a second contract, whereas Cesar Ruiz, I'm going to pay multiple contracts probably. He's going to be a very high-functioning center for a long time in the league, in my opinion. So we're talking about a decade-long career that you got to draft early. Now, you do have to pay him a little bit, but I think that that probably makes you a better team in the long run than Clyde does because when Clyde's done with his rookie deal you don't pay running backs you just don't they're they're expensive it it rarely 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 works out even less so than drafting running backs early you know even though everybody says what they say I would take Ruiz over Edwards Hilaire just because I think you're getting that second contract out of him I wound up loving the Chiefs drafts. I think I'd love it about the same if Cesar Ruiz was the pick. I'd probably love it a little bit, maybe a little bit more. I Cesar Ruiz, I was pretty high on. I think we were all pretty high on. I think he's higher grade in the KC draft guide, and I I do agree. Like it's it's regardless for the especially for that rookie deal, you're just dropping him in and you're forgetting about it. You're forgetting about the running back for the next five years. You're forgetting about center potentially for the next ten years. Um, I love the idea of both, frankly. Um, right now, I. I I, I think I love the idea of Ruiz actually a little bit more, though. I, I kind of come to grips with the, with the Clyde stuff a little bit differently. You know, I, I've come around even farther than, than where I was. Like, I love the player, but now I'm kind of all on board drinking the Kool-Aid full bore. Um, N.D. Blair, why is American bacon so inferior to British bacon? And the reason I dropped this in there is because there's been a lot of breakfast wars going on on the timeline, and then Britain jumped in. And we've got, you know, Tom Childs just jumping in, talking. Here's the the deal. Here's why American bacon is inferior to British bacon. Because British bacon is just ham. And we already have ham. But you're depriving yourself of bacon, of real bacon. We get bacon and we get what you call bacon. We get both. You guys are just too stuck up over there drinking your Earl Grey at 4 o'clock, eating biscuits and cucumber sandwiches. (laughs) To do. <laughs> Kids losing an entire for- an entire island uh, from no. the podcast right now. I can't wait. I I can't wait for Tom to hear this. Oh my goodness! That's the the breakfast the breakfast war of 2020 has gotten very very real over here. It's I not a war. I, I like. 
They're they're both great. <laughs> I don't see why we got to pick one over the other. I will eat the full English. I will eat a full American breakfast and probably both back to back, right one right after another. So I'm good with it. It's not a war. It's a shellacking. <laughs> there is no contest between a full English. Like, I don't think a single pepper flake or grain of salt has ever hit a full English breakfast in its entire life. But back to the baking point first, then we'll get into the whole supposed war. It's not ham kit. Oh, like, no. I, I joke around and call it ham. It's actually just really poorly cured and cooked pork loin. It's just it's from the back. It's not from the same spot that the ham comes from. They're going to get really mad at you if you call it ham. So that's why you should keep calling it ham. It looked, it, Tom, Tom, I think it was Tom that posted a picture. It, it looks just like it, like but it's actually from the back of the pig. It is a loin that they just cure and cook very poorly. So it's no longer a good pork loin. It's whatever that abomination that they call bacon is. But our bacon is better <laughs> because hold, get up out of pen, get out some paper. It tastes better. It has more flavor. <laughs> and when we get into the whole debate, like, no, I'm mostly kidding around with my buddy. I'm good friends with Tom. I love Tom. I would gladly go over there and eat all of his favorite food with him. Personally, I have just grown up on flavor palate that is a little bit like fuller of flavor. And it's just, I think the way the United States is, they emphasize more seasoning, more spice and a lot of food. I think the English food, at least that I've had has been a lot more traditional. They kind of let the flavor of the food try to shine a little bit more. And that's just not as much for me. I think that's where the big difference comes in. If you like the taste of spices more and you want a flavor explosion in your mouth rather than to taste just the raw quote unquote food, you're probably going to like some more American <coughs> cuisine. If you just want to taste a planned egg on a plain piece of Wonder Bread that got toasted for a little bit, then you're going to choose the full <laughs> English. I I love oh. our, our English brethren. These two don't. But I love you guys. So I meant to lead off with no disrespect never, intended. That's how you have to lead off these kind of things. <laughs> I I'm pretty sure like I can't first thing is like I can't wait for Tom to hear this pod. Second off, if Arrowhead Addicts ever lets me back, they're probably just gonna dunk on my breakfast tapes. Yeah, definitely. Well they but, should dunk on your food tapes in general. I mean <laughs> <laughs> Tom Tom called Tom called bacon. What did he call it? <laughs> He's like, why do you guys burn? Why do you guys burn pork or something like that? Uh, Tupelo Dan, uh, he just he left a note for us. Just a note on last week. You neglected to mention the Chargers signed Brian Bulaga when discussing their O line. Not inconsequential. Really enjoyed the opponent preview though. Thanks. You're right. I mean Brian Bulaga. We'll see if he can hold up. I mean if he can you know play 16 games. Um, that's kind of really a big thing with him. But you're right. I mean, that, I think they paid substantial money to him. Derek Vreeland, uh, with the probability of looking at Charvarius Ward as cornerback one for the start of the season, what do you think the ce- his ceiling is as a player? I think his ceiling as a player is probably a high-end, uh, you know, cornerback two type. We, we've talked a lot in the last offseason about how the Chiefs just have a bunch of cornerback two level players. They don't really have a true lockdown number one because you can't put him on an island and trust that he's going to be able to cover everybody you know and the entire route tree and everything like that that's everybody that they have on their roster currently now they won the super bowl with that they were able to protect these guys with their safeties they were able to cover up their deficiencies and make them good cornerbacks for what they were asked to do i think charvarius ward can do that same thing in 2020 that means that he's going to be a high-functioning starter for a Steve Spagnuolo defense. I think that Spagnuolo does an 
excellent job mitigating the you know deficiencies of his secondary he just does an especially good job of hiding stuff. That's why you saw Tyron Matthew be so effective. That's why you saw Juan Thornhill make so much of a difference because they got to be put in better positions to succeed and help out these other guys. So in that regard, I think his ceiling is still not going to be this top flight guy. Now he comes out and he asks for more money at the end of this season. We'll have to see. I think the chiefs would maybe be a little reticent to pay him top dollar because they're able to get the most out of these guys, out of these CB2 types. I think the trick is you're going to deal with a guy that's always going to play in a very friendly system for him. He's playing on a de- with a defensive scheme that's going to allow him to press almost exclusively. It's rarely asking him to pay off, to play off coverage. It's rarely asking him to travel with the best receiver on the other team. It rarely asks him to tra- you know, chase a wide receiver horizontally across the field. He gets to play receivers that run into his you know, third of the field vertically, which he does re- pretty well because he's long, he's pretty fast, he can turn and run with these guys. I think his next really big step is to showcase a lot better ball skills. Like If he can start playing the ball over his shoulder when playing vertically, quit losing at the catch point so often, often, then I think you are going to get a guy that's becoming a really high-end number two, maybe fringe number one corner in a very limited scheme. He has to be in a scheme that doesn't ask him to play a ton of man coverage, that doesn't ask him to chase guys all over the field, not just pre-snap, but post-snap. Because right now, he doesn't have to chase anybody across the middle of the field. He has a ton of safety help over the top, so he's allowed to get real physical and then fall on the trail if he loses at the line of scrimmage. Like He gets a lot of help, and if he starts turning in some of these plays into more turnover production or plays on the ball, then you're starting to look at a guy that's probably going to be looked at as a high and number two, number one type cornerback. The issue is he's always going to be limited to that zone scheme or a very press man heavy scheme, and I just don't even know if he can go play the press man heavy scheme with the way that he doesn't work. You know, his hips don't work super well. They're not super fluid it's going to be hard for him to play in any scheme across the nfl the wazzy asks what type of home field advantage is it at arrowhead if there is limited or no fans in the stands i mean that's that's a billion dollar question right there that clark hunt's trying to figure out because frankly the arrowhead is a fortress it's loud it's rowdy uh the tailgating the the whole thing makes Clark Hunt a lot of money and it helps his team win which helps him make more money and fans aren't there that really decreases both of those things now the Chiefs will be fine I I think they're going to get into a situation where they pipe a little bit of audio in we've heard that Fox is planning to do that the Bundesliga did that this weekend we see a little bit of that coming but it's just not going to be the same you don't get 142.2 decibels you don't get that out of it so from that regard it's just going to be a lot different so if they can get fans back in this season, I think you're going to see maybe if you know they don't get to start with them at the beginning of the year, they're going to feel a lot more involved in the game the players are. You're going to see a little bit better performances because we know that they feed off of that energy. They feed off of that crowd noise. So it just won't be there. So that advantage is just kind of gone. Chiefs Duncan asks, I know you all talk a whole lot of fantasy football, or I know you don't talk a lot of fantasy football right now, or, but how high would you draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year? It is a PPR two-player keeper league. I would feel confident drafting um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. If you're in a 12-team league, I think that 12-13 turn, about, about there, that's probably where I'd feel comfortable. And if you're feeling a little bit more aggressive, um, you know, 
if you're in the middle of the first, I, I, I would get it. Um, I, I think it's a bit of a swing, obviously. And, you know, I think, you know, we'll see how much Damian Williams gets his opportunities too. But especially for a keeper moving forward, I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to find uh, more valuable pass catchers uh, at the running back position specifically. And in a PPR league, he's going to be extremely valuable. Um, okay, who do you have as a sleeper player primed to make solid contributions for the Chiefs this year, defense or offense? This is kind of a this is kind of a hard question here because the Chiefs brought back so many starters, and I don't even know if they have anybody really primed to come in and replace some of the positions that they lost. Like guys ready to come in right away. But I'm gonna go and I don't know how much of a sleeper this is, but Martinez Rankin, I think if he returns back from his injury, like I think he does have a chance, a good chance, if he's healthy, to come back in and solidify one of the guard spots. And I think that's just something they didn't get last year. Like I don't know about anybody else, but I never felt good about a single interior offensive line position last year. Sands like the one game after Martinez Rankin proved that he belonged before he got taken out by some friendly fire. Like that was the only time I felt good about the you know, interior offensive line position. I think if Rankin can come in and start all year, if he's healthy, I think that relieves some of the worry you have, at least out of one of the three spots on the interior, which I do think in, you know, the nerdy situation that makes a big contribution to this team. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, go with another player that was a starter, but maybe a new position. Uh, Damian Wilson. Damian Wilson's going to play Sam this year, probably. He may start as well, but he's probably going to get the majority of his reps Sam this year. Travis Kelsey talked to him about or talked about him being a glue guy in his interview with with Lefko on this podcast. It's an excellent interview. It's about an hour long. Go find it. But he talked about him being a real key ingredient to all this and, you know, kind of helping the team stay together, everybody stay up. He transferred from Sam to Will. That's a big ask. He was brought in to play the Sam linebacker role. If Willie Gay can prove to take that Will linebacker role and roll with it, then I think we're going to see the best version of Damian Wilson. Now, that's not necessarily a major impact player or anything like that, but I do think it's a position where the Chiefs can get better and that we can see a player make a bigger impact than they did in 2019. Uh, if Legereus needed played cornerback this year, he would have been drafted on day two. I think uh, by the second half of the season, you're going to see more Legereus Sneed. I have a lot of hopes for him. I think he's tailor-made to play uh, in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. They seem very excited about him based on some of the you know post-draft videos and chats and stuff they had with him. Uh, I think you should be too. Keep an eye on Legereus Sneed. I think he could ultimately sneak up. I think he's, a, I think he's more talented than Charvarius Ward, for instance. I think he's more talented than Bashad Breland. Honestly, uh, from a physical standpoint, uh, if the mental side picks up, I think there he could be very intriguing. Hasselbring five asks a similar question, but it's almost the other side. What player do you think takes a step back this year? Anyone I, you think might underperform? I don't mean to keep beating a dead horse here, but I think it's going to be McCole Hardman. And not because I think he's necessarily going to be worse. I just think you saw once Tyreek Hill came back last year, once Sammy Watkins was healthy, once the entire wide receiver room was healthy, McCall Hardman's entire production was based around either returns or catching a shallow route that he then turned into a big play, which he can still do. But you're not going to do that 
consistently in the NFL. I think you saw closer to later half of the year, you saw closer to what McCole Hardman's going to be as long as Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Demarcus Robinson are on the field. There's just simply not a ton of targets, especially when Sammy Watkins is already banging the drum for more targets to get Hardman enough of time, enough looks that he's going to be able to repeat what he did last year. I think you're going to see the production step back. Hopefully you see skill development in the meantime, though, to make you feel confident going into 2021 with him as your number two or at least clear-cut number three wide receiver. I'm going to stay at that position. Sammy Watkins. I worry a little bit about Sammy Watkins' head going into this season. Sammy Watkins doesn't have the same hunger to win a Super Bowl now. You took that away from him a little bit. No, he said he's winning two more. He did say he's winning two more, but I mean, once we when push comes to shove, is he going to be taking himself out of the Super Bowl race there, Matty? Is, is he going to be pulling himself out of that race? I worry a little bit about his, you know, his overall mental commitment to all this. He'll be there. And I think we've seen him be there during the stretch, the middle of the season last year. We saw him on the field. But he wasn't necessarily the same person. Now it got to the playoffs, he got ramped up. He was a very good player. If you get that version of Sammy Watkins, he's going to be great. We're going to see a lot of good things out of him. I just think that if you take away that Super Bowl, you take away that that carrot on the end of the stick there, I don't think it's about money. I don't think it's a situation where Sammy Watkins is trying to get, you know, a five year, four year, three year deal at the end of all of this that's for giant money here because he's been paid. And I think he just kind of wants to do his own thing. So, in that regard, I wonder what version we're getting of Sammy if he comes up with another injury, if he starts to get a little down on his play or his targets, is he just going to shut it down? So, I, I think that maybe that's something to keep a little bit of an eye on. Uh, you could you could really look at this year as Traverius Ward's second year. You could see a sophomore slump, especially since this, the back end of the year was not kind to Traverius Ward. I mean, if you watch the playoffs, um, he really struggled. It was really it was a real tough playoff stretch for him. And um, I wonder if teams are going to look at some of the things that teams did against him and try to replicate that. Because, you know, as the season went on in the biggest moments, it was real tough on Charvarius Ward. And, I mean, he's still only got, you know, 20 games under his belt now. I mean, this is really about to be his sophomore year if you really look at it. Because he only got a few games towards the end of his real rookie year. Um, so, that's, that's one I think you got to keep an eye on. Um, and, and which, you know, isn't really, you know, it's, it's, if something happens to Bashad Breeley, like, that's not really a vote of confidence. We'll see, though. I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm not dismissing it, but that's one guy I could see having a, having a rough go of it. Um, Rocky Shack asks, which of the UDFAs are you most excited to see in training camp? Any of them, because that means I'm at training camp. <laughs> we, don't, yeah. we don't know, but if there is a training camp for us to go to, for us to actually watch any of these players in, um, I think Legereus Sneed is the guy that I'm, I'm excited. Undrafted. To under, I... Oh, undrafted, undrafted free, agents. free agents. I'm sorry. Then Javaris Davis. Uh, I, I think that his speed is something to keep an eye on. I did not think very highly of his instincts coming out of college there. But again, he had a good senior bowl. It's, 
it's possible that maybe Auburn didn't give him the absolute best coaching to grow as a player, especially since they were very focused on bringing along Noah Igbenogany at the same time. So I think maybe Javaris Davis has a little bit of a sleeper chance to come in and make the team because he has all the athletic ability in the world to be able to do so. I like this Chiefs UDFA class, and I said this to these guys a little, about a week, week and a half ago. I really like this undrafted free agency class. I just don't find any of them particularly exciting. Like, I think these are a lot of guys that have a chance to be solid contributors for a team. They have a chance to make rosters, which is always fun as an undrafted free agent. Like, don't get me wrong. It's really good to have solid guys that are undrafted free agents, these lottery tickets that hit on any level. But last year's undrafted free agency class, I don't think it was quite as good, but I felt like there was some more exciting players. There's some guys that had a little bit bigger, big hit potential, I think, than I see this year. But the one guy that I think I'm the most excited to see, Rodney Clements, safety out of SMU. He's not fast. He's a 4-7 type guy, maybe high 4-6 with some you know better training in the 40 times. So he's not a fast guy, but he's a really smart safety. He's got he's shown the knack to make some really good plays on the ball, some incredible interceptions, reads a quarterback through a wide receiver very well. And he'll also step up in the box and he'll lay a big hit on wide receivers or tight ends coming up the seam or across the middle of the field. I think he mostly played kind of deep single high stuff in college. His speed just won't let that happen at the NFL level, but in our split safety looks, the Chiefs like to run or stepping down into the box. I think he could he could be a little spark plug. He could be a guy that could push Armani Watts as that true fourth safety on this roster if he's willing to play special teams. I just think that he's got the kind of that mental makeup that'll really make that a fun guy to watch during training camp if it's there. Uh, we already talked about Javaris Davis. We already talked about Lavert Hill. Uh, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna kind of pull a Maddie and go with guy from last year, <laughs> Darius Harris, uh, the linebacker out of Middle Tennessee State. Um, there's not a lot of linebacker depth right now. And, you know, I, if you look at how their roster is constructed with their depth, you almost wonder if they're counting on a guy like Darius Harris to make this football team. I think he project, projects more as a Mike Sam, which means he's probably going to wind up playing Will in Kansas City because that's just how it works. <laughs> um, last question. Matt Mice asks, who is the non-offensive player you'd most enjoy seeing Big, Big Red draw up an offensive play for? Um, well, apparently Willie Gay played running back uh, in, uh, in high school. So let's, let's, look, let's let Willie Gay get a carry in the red zone. I'm here for that. Don Tari Poe, because the Chiefs are bringing him back just to play on offense because I love him so much. I don't care. After he gets cut from the Cowboys in training camp, then the Chiefs are going to swoop in, bring him in for offensive packages. Listen, they can bring up two guys from the practice squad. They got the roster spots now. Tell Dave, tell Uncle Dave, he doesn't get to keep one of his dudes because Andy needs Don Tari Poe. Ooh, tricky question. I'm going to go with Jabril Peppers, and I know he's not a chief, but the question did not specify that he had to be a chief. So I really, really would like to see running backs don't matter challenged, and let's just slap a defensive back at running back and just see just how well you can just plug any old guy back there and get the same production you can from any quality running back in the NFL. What a Maddie answer. Just an extremely Maddie answer. Listen, to you want to talk... going to do it... No, I'm just, we're we're dropping out. We're done. That is going to do it for this week's episode of the mailbag. We will be back on Tuesday or on, on 
Uh, th- sorry. Yeah. No, we'll be back on Wednesday. I think. My bad. Getting used to this stuff. We'll get to it.